Hi, this is Pastor Brady, and welcome to week two of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we are taking a deep dive into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This time, we find ourselves in a unique part of the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. So get ready. And uh, we had started a new series last week. And so can anyone tell me, what is the name of our lesson series? Upside Down. Thank you, Waggy. And what, what are we talking about in our Upside Down lesson series, Luke? We are talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Oops, went one too many slides ahead. Oh, well. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And just to give a quick recap of what we talked about last week, the main thing we focused on was context. Because in order to really get a good understanding of what's happening in the Sermon on the Mount, we got to get a good background of what's happening. So we talked about the context of this, and so we looked at how Jesus would have been in the region of Galilee preaching to a group of Jews on a mountainside around the year 30 AD. So we're kind of looking at the context and kind of what that means as we look to understand Jesus' words during uh, his Sermon on the Mount. So we looked at the context. And then the other thing that we spent some time doing is we actually started to read the Sermon on the Mount, but where did we start reading at? We didn't start at the beginning. We started at the end. Dalton, you, your, your hand was just so excited to answer that. Yeah, that but yes, you were exactly right. We, did, we started at the end uh, because while reading the Sermon on the Mount and we're talking about how the entire Sermon on the Mount is all about Jesus challenging us to flip our understanding of things upside down. Well, we found the best way to actually read the Sermon on the Mount is to do that a little upside down as well and start at the end rather than the beginning. Because this is what we read Jesus say at the end. He says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And so that's the mindset we want to have moving forward. We want to have this mindset of, as we dive into the words and teaching that Jesus has throughout the Sermon on the Mount, we want to have this mindset so that way we can apply it into our lives and have it be the foundation of our lives. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so kind of with the context in mind, with this foundational verse in mind, we are ready to really dive deep into the Sermon on the Mount and we're going to do so starting here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. So let's read this together. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so we just read Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 to 12. And this is the passage we want to focus our time on here tonight. And I'm curious if any of you know the answer to this, but this passage actually has a special name for it. Does anyone happen to know the name for this passage? I'll be impressed if, uh, if one of you do know the name for this passage. It's got a special name. It starts with a B. Any, any leaders want to give us the answer, help us out a little bit, phone a friend? It's the Beatitudes, exactly. We're talking about the Beatitudes. That's what this section of verses uh, is called, the Beatitudes. And that's a pretty strange word. Uh, in fact, I had never really heard of this word outside of Scripture before until like early this past week. Lexi and I were at the, the Valley Mall, and there's actually a store called Beatitudes. And I was like, huh, that's interesting, because that's what we're talking about this week. The only thing that, you know interests me, none of you else care about, I don't even know what they sell at Beatitudes, but, but speaking of Beatitudes, I don't know why I started, I just totally went off kilter there, <laughs> but speaking of the Beatitudes, what does that word even mean? Because that's a weird word, I'm sure none of you have really heard of the word Beatitudes, so what do you think it means? Any guesses? Luke, what do you think Beatitude means? What did you say? The attitude that a believer should have? That's, that's a really good guess. That's a really good guess. Who else wants to, take, wants to take a crack at it? Well, what do you think? What do you think beatitude means? An important passage? Well, <laughs> it is the name of verses uh, 2 to 12, and it is an important passage. So, but, but not quite. You see, according to our pals over at thedictionary.com, this is what beatitude means. Supreme blessedness or exalted happiness. Supreme blessedness. And you know, that makes sense that this passage will be called the Beatitudes, talking about supreme blessedness, because what word was Jesus constantly repeating over and over and over and over again? Blessed, yes, exactly. He kept saying that over. He would say, blessed are, and then he would just list off these different groups of people based on these various characteristics, talking about how they are blessed. And that, that's kind of weird, though. Like, this is like the beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached, and Jesus starts it off by just blessing these random groups of people. It's kind of a weird way to start a sermon, right? At least I think it's kind of weird. So why does Jesus start off this great Sermon on the Mount this way by blessing these different groups of people? Well, there's two reasons that I've found for this. And the first reason as to why I believe Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount this way is that he wants to show his authority. He wants to show his authority to the people. And you can think of it like this. In that day and age, back around 30 AD, if a young man wanted to marry a young woman... He required the blessing of her father. In fact, the girls didn't even have a say in the matter of whether or not they wanted to marry that guy. It was only what her father would say. Her father would give the blessing, and then she would 
pretty much have to marry that guy. So just quick question for all, uh, for all you girls sitting here. Raise of hands, how many of you would trust your dad to pick your husband for you? There are more hands than what I thought there would be. Wow, that is kudos to your fathers. Wow. But that's just the importance of what a blessing meant back then. A blessing was incredibly important. And here, when we're talking about blessing in the Beatitudes, we're not talking about Jesus trying to marry off these people, but rather, this is Jesus showing that he has the authority to bless them. And if you recall, kind of at the end of each section, he was blessing them by saying that the kingdom of heaven is theirs, or that they'll be called children of God. And so, who has the authority to do something like that? Who has the authority to call someone a child of God to say that the kingdom of heaven is theirs? I don't have that kind of authority. You all don't have that kind of authority. But God has that kind of authority. And so this is Jesus saying, I have the authority to bless you. And why? Because I am God become man. I am God become flesh. And it's only I who has the authority to bless you into the kingdom of heaven. It's incredible. So that's kind of the first way that we see this. And it just shows his authority. And if you remember last week, we looked at this one verse at the, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where just the crowds, as they heard this, as they heard the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, they realized, man, Jesus is legit. Like He has the authority. In fact, uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their other teachers of religious law. And so that's the first key reason as to why I believe Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount this way. He is showing his authority to those listening. And the second reason that I think he starts it off this way is that he wants the people who are listening to the Sermon on the Mount start asking themselves this question. Am I one of the blessed? Did I make the list? It's like, you know, in any of like the, the classic Christmas movies where you have like all the kids wondering if they made Santa's nice list. That's kind of what's happening here. People who are listening, they're just like, did I make Jesus' blessed list? Am I, did I make the cut? Am I on the list? And so that's kind of what you have everyone wondering as they are listening to this list. They kind of have this in mind. And so as we kind of are reflecting on these two questions as he's on these two points of Jesus's authority and who's making this list of being blessed, that's kind of what we want to focus on now is, well, who is Jesus blessing and why is he choosing to bless them? That's what we want to kind of focus our time trying to answer that. And so as we move forward, I'm curious, when you think of someone who is blessed, what kind of person comes to your mind? Like, for example, what makes you look at someone and think, wow, that guy is incredibly blessed. Like, he has been so blessed. What, kind of, what comes to your mind when you think of someone like that? Swopey? Yeah, like a really good athlete. Yeah, like, you see a guy like, like LeBron James. You know, you might not like him, but man, that guy is an insane basketball player, and he was just blessed with just this great athletic ability. What else? Will? Yeah, like musicians. Yeah, 
And actually, speaking of musicians, that was kind of the first example that I thought of. And what made me think of it is I saw this video of this four-year-old kid named Evan Lee. And this four-year-old named Evan, he was playing the piano, and it was incredible. Like this, this kid, at, like, at four years old, he probably doesn't even know how to tie his shoes, but he could play the piano masterfully. Like, like he is a prodigy of the piano. It was amazing listening to him play. And as, as I was watching this video, I couldn't just help but think, wow, that kid is blessed with talent. He's blessed with talent. And we, like, when we see people who get good grades, we think, wow, they have been blessed with intelligence in order to get good grades at school. Again, we think of athletes. We think of someone who can buy really nice things, like the nice car, the nice house, the newest phone. We think, wow, they have been blessed in order to afford such nice things. And so that's kind of our mindset as we're thinking, who are the blessed people in this world? We're thinking it's those that are kind of like the, the exception in terms of they are the most athletic, the smartest, the prettiest, whatever you may put in there. And so that's kind of our mindset of who we think is blessed. And yet as we read the Beatitudes, well, let me just read the very first group that Jesus blesses. It's really interesting. In verse 3, Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Hmm. What do you think that means, poor in spirit? What do you think poor in spirit means? Any ideas? Macy? Yeah, people that don't have a strong relationship, people who are not strong in their faith. Yes, that, that is exactly right. That's who would be considered poor in spirit. And what is Jesus saying here? He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so that's kind of interesting. And so while I was like kind of prepping for this, I found this quote uh, from this uh, theologian named Dallas Willard, and he was kind of paraphrasing this verse here. And I, it really stood out to me, just the way he kind of reworded it, because it just kind of just made me sit there a little bit baffled. Let me read it for you. As he was rewording uh, Matthew 5, verse 3, he said it like this. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion. Bless them. And as I read that, and again, it just makes me wonder, why? Why is Jesus blessing them? And of all groups of people, why is this like the very first group he is choosing to bless? Does that mean he wants us to be, you know, have no faith at all? To be spiritually bankrupt? Is that what he wants of us? No, that is a big no. And so what's going on here? Well, this... This is amazing right here, and I want you to catch this, because what we see happening right here is we see Jesus is extending his blessing, something that is just so sought after. He is extending his blessing, blessing to the people that we would, you know, call the unchurched, those who are not his followers, 
is who he is extending his blessing to. And he is extending his blessing to them and saying, those of you who are spiritually poor, I want you to know that you can find forgiveness, you can find grace, you can find strength and joy and peace and healing and acceptance. You can find all of that through me. You can find all of that through Jesus. And that's what he is telling them. And do you realize how shocking that is? Like that is completely upside down. Like it really is. It is just completely shocking for those who would have been listening to this on that mountainside then. That would have just made zero sense. And honestly, even today, it still makes zero sense. Because why is Jesus choosing to bless those that we would consider to be the furthest away from what a Christian is? Someone who has no faith at all. Why is Jesus choosing to bless them? And as I was sitting in my office, you know, working on this, just kind of pondering over this question, I realized this was a pretty normal thing for Jesus to do. Like he did this all the time when it came to blessing those that we would call the spiritually poor, the spiritually bankrupt. Let's give you an example. How many of you know the story of the woman at the well? It's a pretty popular story. It's a Samaritan woman. She's there by a water well getting a drink and Jesus approaches her. He's also getting a drink and he starts to, uh, you know, start a conversation with her. And as he's talking, she had never spoken to him uh, in her life, but he starts talking to her saying about her whole life story. He starts just telling her whole life story to her, and she's never spoken a word to this guy. And he goes on to say, I know that you have been married five times, and I know that the man you're currently living with is not your husband, and I know that you, the life you have lived, is the furthest than what the common Jew would say they are supposed to live. You are on the total outside. And yet, you are blessed. You are blessed. He invites her to have a drink of water. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He blessed the tax collector. He blessed the Roman centurion. He blessed the prostitute. Even his own betrayer, he blessed them. These spiritually poor people, they're all blessed by Jesus. But it's not just the spiritually poor who are blessed by Jesus because he would go on to list these eight other groups of people who he is just blessing over and over that each of these groups of eight are all just totally upside down than what we would say is blessed. And... I don't have the time to go through each of these eight uh, individual ones, but I do want to touch on one that just really stood out to me of these remaining eight. And it was Beatitude number three. We read over it earlier pretty quickly, but this is Matthew chapter five, verse five. And this is the group that Jesus blesses here. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Again, this is just entirely upside down for a group that should be blessed because what does it mean to be meek? I'll give you a hint. All of you right now that are too scared to say anything, you are the prime example of what it means to be meek right now. Because I heard it said like this. Meek are those 
who are stepped on by the world. They are mild, they are shy, and they are intimidated. That is the meek. If you are someone who is meek, you are the kind of person that as you are walking along the sidewalk and someone is coming the other way, you step out of the way so they can go by because that's what you think is meant of you. Like you're, you're not meant to walk on the sidewalk when someone else is there. That's, other, that's, that's for the other person. It's when you think so lowly of yourself that while others are stepping forward and speaking up, you are just shrinking back. That whenever one thing goes wrong around you, you immediately think that it's your fault. You think so lowly of yourself. You degrade yourself. And so why is Jesus blessing the meek? Why is he choosing to bless these people? Is it because he wants us to be like that? To be the kind of people that are just meant to get trampled on by the world and just get walked all over? No, not at all. But what Jesus is saying is that even those who are looked down upon by the world, those who are pushed aside, those who feel like they are always at fault, those who feel like they are worthless and belittled, he is letting them know that if you feel that way at all, you are still welcomed into my kingdom. That is the message that Jesus is saying here. He is saying that you are valued and you are cherished by the one true king. And you're welcomed into the good life. And you see, that's the awesome part because that's what the Beatitudes are all about. This section, and that's why it's all about the supreme blessedness, because it's about how people that are regarded as the most deprived, the most insignificant, according to the world, Jesus is saying, no, the world is wrong. You are blessed and you are cherished by your creator. I mean, that is just beautiful. Just truly think about that, like, that is the good news right there. That is the good news. Jesus challenging those people 2,000 years ago to start flipping their understanding of others. That those that we may look at and be like, wow, that guy is a loser. And yet Jesus is saying, you got it all wrong. They're blessed. They are blessed. And they are welcomed into my kingdom. And so as I conclude here, I want to read one more quote. This comes from, uh, again, Dallas Willard. And he summarized uh, the Sermon on the Mount like this. And I just thought this was a really awesome quote. So I hope you can uh, catch this here. And so this is, uh, this is what he said. If I, as a recovering sinner myself, accept Jesus' good news, if I accept the good news, I can then go to the mass murderer and say, you can be blessed in the kingdom of the heavens because there is a forgiveness that has no limits. To the worshiper of Satan, to those who rob the old and the weak, to the cheat, to the liar, the bloodsucker, and the vengeful, blessed, blessed, blessed. For here are the foolish. For here are the weak, the lowly and despised of this world. They are whom God has chosen to cancel out the humanly great.
And again, that's what the Beatitudes are all about right here. That's the perspective that Jesus is trying to teach us to have. That the rules of this good life, you know, that we are told is good according to the world, the American dream and whatnot, Jesus is saying, no, you've got to flip that all upside down. Because in my kingdom, which is unlike the world, it's available and open to all. And so I want to challenge you all with this as I close here. I want to challenge you with this. The Beatitudes remind us that to understand blessing in Jesus' kingdom, you need to be able to look past the social media posts that someone has. You need to be able to look past the clothes that they are wearing. You need to be able to look past the weird smell they might have. You need to be able to look past some of the baggage that they may carry, the sin that they may have committed. You need to be able to look past the mistakes in the flesh and say, you are welcome into the kingdom. You are welcome. And I will say, I have no doubt in my mind that each of you sitting in this room right now, I have no doubt in my mind that There is someone that has come to your mind that you are thinking of that needs to hear this message from Jesus. Someone who needs to hear his words to tell them that they are invited into the good life, that they are invited into the kingdom of heaven. And maybe that's a friend or a family member. Maybe it's a classmate, sports teammate, fellow band member, coworker, whoever it may be. I have no doubt that you probably know someone right now who is poor in spirit, who may be feeling meek and insignificant in this world. And I want to let you know that right now you have the opportunity that once we leave this chapel, you have the opportunity to go to them and say, hey, there is a place for you right here. You might be feeling like there is no place for you that is totally wrong. Because there is a place for you right here in the kingdom of Jesus. And he wants you here. And I want you here too. You have the chance to go out and share that message to the world. That's my challenge for you this week. Because I have no doubt that each of you, as you are hearing this, I know there is someone that is in your mind right now. So I encourage you, go out and share this message of good news. Because all are invited into his kingdom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessing. Lord, if we're being honest, none of us are worthy of it. None of us are worthy of your blessing because we have all made many mistakes in our lives. We have turned against you and let you down time and time and time again. And yet, you constantly remind us, and as we read here in the Beatitudes, that despite that, we are still blessed, that we are forgiven. And Lord, it is my prayer that this group right here will go out and share that message with the world. May we make a difference In your name, we pray this in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org slash students. 